All right. Philip Brailer, what's up, man? How are you doing? What's up? Good. Dude, Just uh, cool. hanging in there. Nice. Well, welcome to my, uh, we're calling it the investor frame now. So mm-hmm. you're like one of the first people. We don't have our intro dialed in yet, but that's coming. You know, Steven's been working on that. So I need um, some music and some uh, big letters coming in with my name, like REI investor, you know? Oh yeah. Steven's going to make you look like a rock star. So um, Good. for those who, you know, you and I know each other really well, right? Um, why don't you just tell us a little bit about who you are and how you got into real estate? How did we, how we came to know each other? Yeah, man. Um, yeah. So like you said, we've known each other for what, a couple of years now. Um, you know, been on the same team for a little over a year, I think. Um, but obviously I'm Philip Brailer. Um, I actually am from Reno, Nevada. Um, no background in real estate whatsoever. Um, parents weren't in real estate, nothing like that. Um, or investing for that matter. Um, I came to Denver, Colorado about five years ago. Uh, to pursue property and casualty insurance. So I had a job lined up here. Um, It's just a full sales job, you know, just selling insurance to just individuals. Um, Yeah. So I, I was doing that for about what, like three years Um, and just kind of like spinning my gears, dude, like, you know how it is. You were engineer, like, you know, in that nine to five, sometimes over, you know, like doing overtime hours just for like, to fulfill that W2 that like, there's no, I don't know. It's hard to put like the more you put into the job, like you would see more money, but you would just put in so much more time. It's kind of like that balance that we were talking about. Like, yeah, I was seeing more money, but my, I was like getting home and I missed dinner. Uh, the sun was down. Like next time I looked out the window, like I had missed everything. And it was just like, was that money worth it? Like just spending nine, 10, 11 hours just on the computer, on the phones. Um, yeah. And that's kind of like where it's just a grind, a straight grind. Horrible. And like, not just the grind, like the work, like we can put in the work, right. Me and you, like we have no problem grinding, but the problem was like, it was spilling over into my personal life. So like, you know, I was starting a relationship with Marissa at the time we met at work at doing insurance, Um, and then I just moved to a different brokerage, Liberty Mutual. I'm I'm sure like everybody's heard of Liberty Mutual, but just constantly on the phones and I was missing like quality time. And, um, and she was the one that actually came to me and was like, Hey, like this isn't working. Like you're just working nonstop. Yeah. We love the money, but like she had came across, uh, something called wholesale real estate on uh TikTok, believe it or not. And I'm just like, babe, like I got to work. Like, this is like ridiculous. I don't, I think I blew her off the first time she like brought it up to me. Um, yeah. And then for whatever reason I watched a YouTube and, uh, it was actually Brent Daniels, um, and Max Maxwell. And they were just talking about this like Avenue of real estate that didn't require me to get a license. Um, so I had to put like no extra time into studying or like the three month barrier people talk about, um, to start making money in real estate. They're just like, you could literally do it part-time and keep your job. Um, so I started looking into that, like getting down the rabbit hole, hole pretty, uh, pretty quickly. I found, um, wholesale hotline. I was just like listening to podcasts, reading books, um, all wholesale real estate, like zero money down, um, uh, no credit needed. You could buy houses, you know, and wholesale them just like that. Yeah. Um, so that's, yeah. Through those like same, 
ranks, right? You just yeah. pour into Brent Daniels and TTP and, you know, I listen to Steve Trang and Pace Morby yep. with your pockets. And it's like, I mean, obviously, you know, my bookshelf over there, it's like the probably 75% of those books are real estate related. It's like, we just, you know, it's hard to, to not go down the rabbit hole. Oh, no, I was hooked. I was instantly hooked. Like, I think uh, one of the, uh, yeah, obviously Pace, uh, Brent and Jamil, but uh, Jerry Norton. I don't know. We never really talked about Jerry Norton. I don't know if you were familiar, but oh, I was doing like crazy Jerry Norton videos. Like we would, uh, I mean, Marissa and I would stay up to like 3 a.m. just comping properties on the MLS and like, you know, using Redfin, like nothing crazy, just free stuff. We didn't buy any subscriptions, not, no money in and just was studying. And um, yeah, so I started doing that part-time, bro. Like I just started like calling agents because Jerry's way of wholesaling was more on market. So you would call these agents and, um, double dip on which, you know, I, I make videos about that too. Like how agents can benefit from us not being licensed, um, you know, getting commissions on both ends of the, on the deal. But yeah, I was just calling agents. We were fumbling over our words. I would like, <laughs> I would like, they would ask me like, how much, uh, how much money do you have? Or like, do you have proof of funds? And I remember just hanging up the phone. I was like, Oh, like, Oh shit. Like I'm done. I'm out. You know, like those first couple calls, you're just so, so new. And like, it's just, I can, it really wasn't that long ago now. experience right before you got into that. But, um, because actually yeah. I want you, you lived in Hawaii for a while and did like surfboard sales. Didn't yeah. You? Well, yeah, I skipped over that, but yeah. So from Reno, Nevada, uh, went a couple years to UNR, which is the college in Reno. Um, and then I moved just cause Reno's a smaller town. So I, I picked up and went to Maui. Um, just, thought it might be like a couple month thing. I just went with a backpack and a, a little penny board, a little skateboard. And, um, yeah, picked up a gig on the beach doing like the paddleboard kayak rentals is actually in between the four seasons and, um, uh, like the grand Wailea. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, that was salesy, you know, just face to face. I mean, personable, you know, like I've always known that, like, you know, I can connect with people and not have to be fake about it. Like, you know, truly just start a conversation, but, uh, yeah, I was in the restaurant sales too, selling like high-end wines. And that's kind of what I wanted to do actually at the time was like get my sommelier um, and just kind of like deep dive into wine sales. Cause that was really interesting to me. Um, but yeah, long story short, I was there for like two and a half, uh, two and a half years in Maui, um, picked up a lot of skills and just like being on your own too, like just picking up and moving like far away from family, friends, everything. It's like, uh, it really brought me out of my shell. And kind of like figured out what I wanted to do or what direction I wanted to go, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we got that in common. You know, I picked up out of college and moved right out to Colorado. I didn't know anybody. Just like I just needed to sort of figure out what it is that I wanted to do. And, you know, you uh, got to have, I would say, a much cooler experience. I was cutting down trees and lumberjacking while you were, yeah. uh, you know, hanging on the beach. Uh, right. Riding, riding waves. So anyway, right. hanging out with the locals. So then you got into real estate, you got into wholesaling and you worked yep. for a pretty um, recognizable name. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So actually we had created our own LLC, me and Marissa, Marissa, my fiance, and um, we were just grinding, doing direct mail, like spending a, all every dollar we had, like direct mail. Like that's the, for whatever reason, that's the avenue we picked. And I was sold on it by somebody. Yep. Um, and that lasted about four months of like, you know, we just really didn't know how to close the deals. I maybe made like one per or two in-person appointments from six months of direct mail, like postcards, high-end postcards. 
um, no deals. So we spent our revenue pretty quickly, like our marketing budget. And we were out, man. Like I was just like, I, babe, I got to go back to like a W2. Like we failed, like we couldn't do it. Right. Like we couldn't close a deal. Like we'll keep our, you know, this on the back end. but for whatever reason, we came across Cody Hoffine. Um, I think we were connected by somebody just in the wholesale uh, area and he's out of Salt Lake city. Um, yeah, him and Mark Stubler and they own a, uh, franchise. So what they, I don't know exactly the right terminology for it, but they sell franchises of their company, which is called Joe Homebuyer. Um, yeah. So what, we were mentor or Cody was our mentor. We were paying monthly for ref real estate, uh, freedom formula. And he was teaching us how to close deals, you know, mail, whatever it is. We'd have monthly calls, um, just to like catch up on how we're doing. And he would help us, uh, you know, get on the phones and stuff like that. And then he had mentioned three people bought his franchise out in Denver, Colorado. And I was just like, okay, well, like, obviously I'm not closing deals or I'm doing something wrong. I'm not getting in the houses. So I actually was able, he hooked me up and I was able to become like an acquisitions guy, um, for all three franchises. They were kind of like teaming up. They weren't competition. You know, they each had their own territory, but they were all starting out brand new. None of them even were in real estate before they bought this franchise. So like they needed help. And I knew like the basics of wholesale. Um, so yeah, they kind of like all hired me on as their acquisition guy. Um, so yeah, Joe Homebuyer, they came out to Denver and, uh, it's a really good, uh, uh, franchise, you know, their, their only exit strategy is wholesale. Um, so that's like, was right up my alley. Like, you know, I knew the process. I knew you, you go in, you lock the contract up, um, you find a buyer and you assign it to that buyer. Like that was, I knew it. I, uh, this was, I didn't really have to learn too much other than like how to handle these appointments and talk to sellers a little bit better. Um, Yep. Yeah, so I hopped on with Joe Homebuyer and uh, I loved it. I got flown out to Salt Lake for a couple in-person trainings. Um, and you know, what's funny is uh, the first time I, I heard about you and Bunny Hill was I was in uh, a seller's house trying to get him to, you know, sign a contract. And like, uh, it was a pretty good deal actually. And I sit down at the kitchen table with him after going through, you know, building rapport. Like I was like, oh, I'm crushing it. Like, I sit down at the table and I see your card, Paul Sparks, Bunny Hill property on his, on his coffee table. And I'm just like, Oh, you know, I'm screwed. Fighting it out over the same deals. You know, that's how it yeah. is. Yeah. And I was like, obviously he's talking to me. So Paul didn't lock it up. So like, I'm, I'm good, but I got to look this Paul guy up and uh, yeah, I don't think, I don't even think either of us locked that deal up. I actually drove by it the other day, which is funny. The same house. I remember it. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's kind of how I like, knew you were out there doing stuff. Um, and Joe Homebuyer ended up, I closed a couple deals with them. So yeah, I closed uh, maybe five or six wholesale deals, good spread. That's kind of when our market was like coming up on, you know, like it was starting that climb. Sort of been like a little earlier, maybe this time last year. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. So I was closing a couple deals with them feeling good. You know, I was able to like finally get in these people's houses. Like once I, you know, talked to them on the phone, I was setting appointments. And then not only was I doing that, I was able to like start negotiating a little bit and like running the conversations and, you know, like that just builds your confidence alone. And I don't know what it was that put me over that barrier. I think it was from just going from being a mom and pa shop, like me and Marissa just being like, we're not really investors. And I feel like I'm kind of like 
lying to these sellers. Like I'll buy their house. But when I got with Joe Homebuyer, then I had a company backing me and I had Cody Hoffine backing me. So like, I just had that immediate confidence. Right. And yeah, just like that, I was able to book appointments and I went in contracts like strong, like, you know, we will buy this. And if not, we got partners. Um, so that really did teach me a lot about wholesale. Um, and, and then we kind of got connected because the franchises started struggling a little bit. Right. And basically they were like, yeah, this is just not, not really working. I don't think, I think that's how I understood it. Right. It's like, yeah, no, exactly. You're right on. Um, what had happened was I, I think I mentioned, so all three franchise owners, didn't have a background in real estate. So like, these are people that were like construction background or like um, one was uh, sold like life insurance and they just had money and they bought a franchise, right. To invest. And I was the only acquisition guy for all three of them. You know, they were just trying to learn it just like I was, and they were doing direct mail, which is, you know, one of the most expensive marketing avenues. So if you're not locking up deals and you're not selling them um, that money goes pretty quick. So that's what happened to pretty much all three of them. So they were pulling the plug, you know, like it was kind of just like, you know, we're shutting marketing off. We'll keep the website and calls that come in, but that wasn't going to cut it for me. Cause I didn't, I wasn't doing any of my own marketing at that point. Um, so that's when I called you, uh, I had your number saved. Uh, I knew bunny Hill and we had a conversation. Um, I kind of just told you the situation I was in. Like I just started locking up deals. I had my groove. Like I was, I was feeling really good. And the next thing you know, like, Joe Homebuyer in Denver was kind of going, it was stopping. So I was just, I didn't want to start my own thing again. Like I wanted a company that was already marketing and just needed um, an acquisitions guy, really. That's all I cared about. Because it was me just locking up all the deals, mm-hmm. you know, before that. And it's like, well, what you realize as you start to grow your business is, um, <laughs> yeah, you have to find a ways to like backfill. Right. And right. so in order for us to grow and, you know, me continue to raise money and continue to get us into these larger deals and all of you see all the stuff we're working on with whale club, I mean, you were such a critical component for that. And so, um, I want to talk a little bit about the sales framework that we use. Um, yeah. And how that was developed, how that was implemented, because you and I are going to start, you know, actually right here, we've got our little, uh, studio that we're going to set up and start recording this because it's been so powerful for us to learn these frameworks, to learn these tools. Um, tell us, tell me a little bit about what you've taken out of the sales framework and how it's been useful for you locking deals up with sellers. Yeah. So coming into it before, like we started working on this, um, sales framework, it was like, I was taking as much information from each, uh, mentor, you know, like the, the gurus out there, um, just free YouTube videos, books, whatever it is. And it's all over the place, right? Like they're all kind of saying the same thing, but it's like in different order, you know, you got Chris Voss and some people say, you know, well, we're not dealing with bank robbers. We're dealing with sellers, you know? So it's like all this information is just everywhere. And when you go to talk to a seller, it's like, you have all of these thoughts in your mind and you're trying to think about what to say and what's the next step in this process just to get them to sign a deal that's, you know, deeply discounted. Um, so this sales framework, um, is really just all of our sales experiences, right? Like a lot of the stuff that you've compacted through the days or cause you were in sales before real estate as well. 
Um, but it's all in order, right? Like, I mean, obviously you can move them around a little bit, but it really just gives you this like confidence that, you know, that you're leading this conversation. Um, you know, that you have the tools to use it, um, like properly. And it's really just, uh, it's not a script. I was, I was using a lot of scripts going into, um, wholesaling when I started, you know, looking for that cold calling script or like looking for a script, like when I go on an acquisition appointment, like if they say this, what do I say here? Like, and it was just so robotic, man. Like, and that's the biggest thing, like you and me working on this sales framework changed it from me being a robot to me being like the great salesperson that I know I can be personable without having to like follow this script and like say something that's not me, you know? Yeah. And it's the problem with scripts is that you end up triggering a lot of sales resistance because you sound like a salesperson as one of the things we talk about all the time with the sales framework is how to hide as much as possible your intentions of selling. You know, the, it's like the first thing you say, somebody says to you when you walk into a retail store, can I, is there anything I can help you find? Right. Like, no, Immediately. Away from you, <laughs> yeah. right. And yeah. so we just say all these things as salespeople, because we, we act in, you know, uh, it's that human mindset thing, right? We're just, we're saying how we're trained and people feel that. So um, we're going to talk more in our own podcast. We're, we're joking around, uh, calling it the bunny boys <laughs> right. podcast. Right. So um, I don't know. We'll see the, the, the bunny girls didn't love that. So <laughs> The bunny um, boys. I mean, it's, it's the name, the name is, uh, it doesn't matter. It's the, it's the, what we're going over, right? Like yeah. this sales framework is like a game changer. You know, I wish I had this starting out and I could just follow this like one and focus on these steps, um, rather than just be so spread out. I would have like closed that gap a little bit quicker, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's funny you'd mentioned that. Yeah. Like I'll get phone calls like to our website or inbound leads or whatever. And they'll, someone will say like, Hey, how are you doing? Like, and I just immediately know it's a sales call. Like they're trying to sell us on marketing or whatever it is. And I just immediately, I'm just like, well, this conversation's done. Right. So it could be within the first three words, man. And we don't even know it. So. Right. Cool. So we'll talk about that more actually on Friday, we're doing our first podcast for that. And, uh, we'll, we'll po- calling it a podcast is more of a, a way of saying like, we're just going to get on camera and talk about stuff we know how to do well, which is sales. Right situational tools and see where it goes. Yeah. Uh, and so we started working together and mm-hmm. we started using this sales framework and, you know, we're locking up deals. Things have been tough the last couple of months. Like we're not going to lie here, right? It's been just tough to get deals, tough to get buyers. Um, you know, we say all the time, it's, it's fairly easy to lock them up. It's right. not like it was six months ago or a year ago where you could just sling it to anybody on the block. Um, so we're digging in on that. And, um, but I want to talk to you a little bit more about a couple other things. It's like, you know, I, your journey into real estate is, is similar to mine in a lot of ways. And uh, I want to talk about how you got into crypto and DeFi because you're in the whale club and um, you do a lot of this yield farming and stuff like that. So what was that process like for you to learn a completely new investing strategy? Um it was crazy. <laughs> I mean, like I learned from the best though. I mean, obviously you're the one that got me into that. Like, um, 
not even sell, selling me on it though. Like you were just kind of like watching charts and stuff. And I was just so ready to like learn the next step. Cause I had kind of like, you never master something, but I figured out how to wholesale being with Joe Homebuyer than being with you. Um, I was just kind of lo looking for like other avenues to learn and invest in. And, um, I, I knew a little bit about crypto. Like when I thought crypto, I knew about, um, you know, like Coinbase and I knew, uh, Ethereum, like not crazy, but the main coins, um, Bitcoin obviously, but had a little bit invested just in a Coinbase. And I would just, uh, just let it sit there. And I didn't really do anything, nothing active, right? Like it was all just like, I'll check it once a year, maybe. And that's about it. Um, never talked about it, but, um, you had start giving, given us, I think what started it is you gave me a bounty. Um, and I don't know if anybody knows what the bounties are, but like you what and bunny that? Hill, what's the bunny Hill bounty. So the bunny Hill bounty is like, you'll pick somebody on the team, which at the time it was a pretty small team. So I was getting the bounty quite frequently. The other week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, no, it's just whoever like performed, you know, showed our core values the best. Um, you would pick someone a week and give them, um, you know, the bounties changed over time, but a certain amount of dollars as like a bonus, right. That's paid out at the end of the year. And, um, you know, you can't touch it and it's stored in a wallet, right. It's stored in a wallet on this, uh, decentralized, um, wallet that you had that no one really knew like what it was. And I didn't, of course, like, you're like, Oh, you got a bounty. And I was like, well, when you first said that, I was like, how am I going to get this bounty? So I just better figure out what you're doing. Right. Um, and what really brought me into it was you presented at uh, CG, I believe it was, um, about your business treasury. And that really helped me figure out like, how are you were using this, uh, investing strategy, um, and using it in our real estate business. And that's really what clicked for me. It wasn't just like, you're out here buying shit coins. Like I've heard all my friends doing, and you weren't like out here trying to buy all this mining equipment and just trying to mine stuff. Like you were utilizing these tokens, um, to earn yield or, you know, interest on your money. Um, as of all these wholesale, uh, assignment fees we were getting, I knew that they weren't just sitting in your bank losing whatever 2% due to inflation, two to 7% due to inflation, you were putting that to use to earn more money so we could get more leads calling in. I mean, it was just like revolutionary compared to where I was coming from Joe Homebuyer and myself. Like it was just jaw dropping. So I dove into it pretty deeply um, and just learned as much as I could through you and your, your presentation at CG and obviously uh, trial and error, you know? Um, yeah. So that's what got me into it. Just seeing how you use it as a business treasury and just trying to mimic that the best I can. You know, so I like I, I, you and I are just so typical, I would say of, of both of us have been in real estate for less than five years. Right. And that represents a lot of people. I mean, a lot of people got into real estate between 2018 and now. Um, and so this process of learning real estate, you know, and then also learning crypto, you know, this is exactly, I think, how it should, it should be when you're, when you're starting out, try to learn as much about a lot of different things as possible. I think oftentimes we try to pick, you know, I, I'm not a huge fan of burn the boats and go all in. I know that's real sexy to say, mm -hmm. and it certainly makes for good marketing, 
But what we like on our team, and we talk about this in the whale club too, is that we want optionality, right? What as much optionality as possible because um, we don't exactly know. And I'm not saying this is like, a, it's tough for people to hear this because, you know, it takes a lot of energy and effort to get good at one thing, right? So we learned how to do wholesale real estate, but then we also learned how to create this passive cash flow. And so, you know, what I'm driving at here is that process to learn crypto. You know, you said it was a lot. Yeah. Help me understand what that, what that means to you. How long did it take you to do that? How long did it take you to set up all these things and start earning passive income? How much time do you spend on it now? Okay. So you're talking about like barrier of entry kind of thing. Like that's what you were like, yeah, most man, people. You and, I are, you and I are so typical. Most people that are in real estate are learning how to do real estate still. Right. A lot of people got in in the last five years. So what's it like to, to be actively learning real estate and still, you know, in the trenches, mm -hmm. but also learn this kind of other passive income source? Did you have the capacity for that? Tell me a little bit about that process. Yeah, um, I'm pretty good technology wise, you know, like I would say better than average. Um, so like the button pressing that we say, like in crypto, like learning how to set up your wallet how to, you know, do all the technical stuff in there, how to buy the coins, move the coins, get money in. That was hard. Like it's not, it's not easy. And that's probably why most people don't do it is because they get to step one or two. And it's just like, ah, this is too much. They want to run into a hurdle and it's not listed there in the details of like on your steps. So, but I, you know, I knew that it's possible because you're, you know, you're doing it. So it took me maybe about two weeks to get in and get the hang of it and get my money in. Um, to what we were doing and start building my business treasury. Um, yeah. And just like uh, doing a lot of research, obviously anybody that gets into this space wants to know the the downside. Um, but I, I wasn't really too worried about the downside because I, I saw it working live. Like I remember the first, uh, the first 10 in the whale club, you did a live wallet. I mean, it was just like, it was right in front of you. You just had to figure out uh, how to get in and how much time I put into it now, Paul, uh, like zero. Like I'm not looking at all my money can get put in instantly. I got that all set up. And then I know where I'm putting it because I have my, you know, what we call a solvable problem, which, you know, I know where I need to be putting my money. Um, and I don't watch charts anymore. Like I'm not looking at how's this coin doing? Like, I'm not looking at any of that. And I'm strictly, I'm in where I need to be in with the decentralized exchange and uh, my solvable problem. But I mean, really, I don't put any time into it other than mindset stuff and the whale club. I mean, really just the, the calls and, um, but the technical buying coins and moving money around little to no time, maybe yeah. like an hour a week. Here's how I draw this. This is my little chart. There's a super steep learning curve. Like knowledge is going to like, whoa, it's like really fast. Mm -hmm. And then it sort of starts to level off over time, right? It's just this real steep learning curve because it's a brand new language. We're using terms like yield farming, yeah, liquidity pairs, yep. metamask, decentralized exchanges, stable coins. And people are like, ah, the second you say one word they don't understand, you've lost them. Right. And so, you know, really getting past that initial steep curve 
is pretty much all you need with the button pressing. Like we're giving people a way to accumulate coins. We call them assets. I mean, it's just like a bunch of words to describe the same thing. You're just accumulating a bunch of coins mm -hmm. for free that you can use to acquire all of the things you want long-term, whether that's Bitcoin or Guard or ETH or, you know, whatever, Polygon, insert your favorite coin. We were just talking about that uh, earlier on the whale call. Um, what is what the lifelong journey is, in my opinion, is understanding the certainty operating system and not just understanding it. It's not even really understanding. It's like the constant application and reflection mm -hmm. and applying that to your life. So you are going through our most recent cohort for the whale club. And for those who aren't familiar with the, what that is. We bring in about 10 to 15 investors every few months or so. You know, it's not a specific time. It's just really whenever we feel like doing one. Mm -hmm. uh, we bring them through. Now it's six, maybe seven weeks of talking about not how to press buttons, but really how to think about investing. And so I'd like to hear from your perspective, what is financial certainty for you? What, when, you when I say that term, what does that mean to you? Uh, and let's just start there. Yeah. Um, so the co cohort has been great, right? Because it's not just like me and you learning this and you, you know, explaining to me what you're learning one on one. Like it's a group of people and uh, all collaborating. But financial certainty to me is, um, I don't know, it's, it, it's, uh, it's one of those questions that like it's kind of self explanatory. Like I'm certain that. I've hit what I want in life, right? Like doing what I want on my own time um, with the certainty that I have the finances to do it and not coming back to like, oh, I got to go back to, you know, work and make money because I, you know, spent it all and funding, yeah, the life I want, yeah. So we used to, we've been saying this, we funded what we want. You you just hit it all on our timeline. Mm -hmm. I'm glad, I'm glad I'm getting this right because, <laughs> you know, I've been, uh, learn, trying to learn as much as possible. And, um, you know, there's just so much information, but that's really the, the main focus there. Like, this is what it's all about, man. This is what it takes, right? So financial certainty, as we define it, is just like you funded what you want on your timeline playing your game. And, and so I'd like for you to, to tell me if a little bit about some of the takeaways from the cohort. What have you learned? What's been impactful to you so far? Um, well, most recently, like I said, there's just so much information that's, uh, given like each week. Um, I actually, the last call I was on personally, cause I, you know, I'm able to watch the recordings if I missed one, but I was out of town last week, but we had Dan come talk to us. Um, and he was talking about just completely trying to limit the downside, right? And this is with anything. This isn't, he was not talking about crypto in, in particular. Like this is, I'm mean, plays hand in hand with our real estate game, you know, in our business. Um, but most people just try to make so much upside. They focus on the upside, right? Like this investment's got so much upside. This one's got so much spread and they almost forget to look at the downside. Um, the asymmetry is not there, right? Like it's not, it, and what Dan was saying was if you just stop looking at the upside and focus on removing all downside, then you pretty much win, right? Like 
there's nothing left. It, all that's left is upside if you eliminate all downside. So taking that and like, just like sitting back and reflecting on it, like, have I been doing that? Absolutely not, man. Like I'm over here, like, Paul, we need to lock this deal up because it's a fix and flip and we can make 90 to a hundred thousand on it easy. And when it comes to real life situations, we get into it. We could have bought a deal like that and structural could have came up. You know, there's so many factors. The market could have started going into a recession. And next thing you know, we lose 90,000. Like, so I, that's really, that really hit home um, with me on that. And I know that's just one little, little fact in the cohort that we've gone over, but all the, the mindsets and the investor frameworks that we've been going over, like how to look at these deals to make sure you're not getting something, getting stuck with something like that. You know, you just got to really think through deals instead of just letting your human emotion, like I want this deal because I want it right. Like there's no really reason why other than I want to do a fix and flip. Like, so that's kind of what I've gotten away way most recently from the cohort. Yeah, it's really great. Um, I'm going to expand on that a little bit, if I may. Uh, Yeah. So what you're describing, we're actually going to, Nick's going to be presenting tomorrow on class six. So you, you haven't gotten that one yet on the barbell strategy. You, you and I have obviously talked about the barbell quite a bit. Um, so when you're comparing two options, should I do this or should I do this? Oftentimes we look at, well, which has bigger upside? And so it's like, yeah, well, I could make $100,000 doing this, but I could make $500,000 doing this or whatever it is, right? You you have immediately, we're always drawn as humans to what is the best upside here. Um, But that way of thinking oftentimes doesn't take into account the downside of each option. You're only considering upside with really not fully considering downside. And what we know is that if you pick, if you have two good options, one has the potential to be a higher upside than the other. The real question is, is like, but what is the downside of this? Because if I could, if I could make 500,000, but I could also lose 500,000. And in the other scenario, I could make a hundred thousand, but worst case scenario, I could only lose maybe 20, let's say. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, which would you take? Right. And I, I remember I used to get so pissed at you. I'd come in like your office. You're like, what, what, what do you got? And I'm just like, oh, a smoking deal. Like, man, there's so much like potential on this. We can make like, it could be my whole quarter, man. Like I could make a hundred thousand. And then it's just like, you would, I thought at the time you were twisting it. Cause you just didn't want to do it. But like, I see it now, like that is risky to make that hundred thousand where we could just make 30 and there's literally no downside just to wholesale it. No work. I mean, we get time on top of that. Like, so that way to look at it, man, it's just, that's game changer. Well, that's a perfect example. Like fixing, you know, two options, fix mm-hmm. or flip or wholesale. What right. should we do? Now, I want to preface this by saying our business is, we're just, we're not good at fixing flips, right? We just <laughs> haven't been good at that. There's plenty of operators who are good at fix and right. flip, and this is a completely different scenario for them. Yeah. So we're just talking about our business here. But the fact is, is we would look at a deal and there'd be $100,000 in spread on it. Man, yep. 
we could make a hundred G's doing a little fix and flip right here. Not little, most of the time they were like fairly intense capital projects. Mm-hmm. And because of that, and because we've lost a lot of money on fix and flips, I mean, you know, I'm getting ready to take a big one right on the chin. Um, <laughs> right. Don't even get me started on that. But uh, the downside with a fix and flip with making a hundred grand is we could lose a bunch of money. Yeah. You could be waste a bunch of time and resources and like Nick's got to go out there and do all these things. And you know, the, the effort and the energy to close that deal and manage the lenders and all that stuff. And it's like, man, what if we could just take 30 out of it and move on yep. there? What's the downside of doing that? And the downside of doing the fix and flip, the downside in wholesale is almost zero. The downside argue it, yeah. is, I mean, look at the fix and flip on Downing. That's been 15 freaking months. I've been stuck in that deal. Can't take that money out. It's stuck there. Um, and so there's a lot of downside with fix and flips for us in our specific business. So yeah, that's- most people, most people think, let me stop. Most people think downside, we're talking just capital, right? Like most people are thinking like, okay, when you're looking at downside, you're looking at money, but like, no, like we're losing time. Like you probably have a couple extra gray hairs just from that one deal. Like, I mean, you, your options are just cut because your money, like you said, is stuck there. You can't use that money to do anything else. Like if there was a deal that you could buy at another house, like you can't do it. Sorry. Like I'm stuck in this fix and flip. So your optionality is gone. There's a lot of different types of downside other than just, you know, I could lose money. Right. There's a bunch of different currencies you can lose. So let's talk about um, ways that we manufacture on our real estate team, how we manufacture asymmetry to the upside. What that means uh, for those who aren't familiar with that term is like, how do we, how do we choose strategies that have very little downside, but a lot of upside? And we call that asymmetry to the upside. So, you know, what are our main strategies right now? What are we doing? Um, we are getting pretty creative. So we, we're doing novations. Um, that's always my number one you know, we call it our home equity protection. Um, we'll come back to the, let's list them out and we'll come back through them. all of them. Oh, okay. Uh, wholesale. Yep. Uh, like small developments you could call. Um, well, so retail. let's talk about, let's talk about, so we've in our, in terms of our barbell, I would say that this is like the reliable side development okay. would be over here. So retail like, would be on that left side. Correct. And then reliable. Um, fix and flip could be over on that upside. Creative. No, I put fix and flip right here. <laughs> yeah. It's, there you go. It's not, we're not doing that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I look at like our reliable side of the barbell is really these right here. Yep. Like we're doing novations. Why? Because we don't have to buy the house. Right. We do wholesale. Why? We don't have to buy the house. We don't have to come out of pocket for anything. Mm-hmm. Same thing with retail. Same thing with creative, although we may have to come out of pocket for some of those, but like we're looking for deals we can lock in low cash, uh, right. low interest rate, low down payment type thing. Long term. Yeah. You know, and, and forget about upside for a second, because what we know is that if we can just eliminate the downside, mm-hmm. all we have left is upside. Mm-hmm. 
And that's why we've moved away from fix and flips, doing all sorts of expensive marketing. You know, like we were doing, man, we had like cold callers, texters. We're doing all like $15,000, $20,000 a month in direct mail. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I forget what else we were doing. We were doing a whole bunch of stuff, like trying to do spend, spend, spend. What's the downside in that? You don't, you don't make any money. <laughs> like you spend all this money on marketing and you make nothing. And so we've made that shift. First of all, to focus on these types of strategies that don't require us to come out of pocket for anything. Mm-hmm. But we also shifted the way that we market for deals, right? We're going with what? A personal branding strategy so that we can acquire deals. We need to do less deals because they cost less, right? So these are all things that I see that we're doing to limit the downside. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, I mean, our whole marketing change and, you know, what's eight, nine months ago, if you told me you were shutting off cold caller, direct mail and all of that, like I probably wouldn't have seen how that could benefit. But having that solvable problem, that like goal, I don't need the upside. I just need to move it a little bit, that needle a little bit closer to what, you know, our financial certainty is and doing that, like removing, revamping our whole marketing, marketing style, removing the downside on our deals. That's getting us there. And I see that now, like it's, we, the risk is, is too much. I've already seen two companies, my company, when I first started wholesaling and Joe Homebuyer go down because their, their risk was too much on their marketing. Like, and they just didn't see it like that. It's like most it people don't. Well, they make money and they do well. If it doesn't go well, they're out of business. Yeah. Okay. That's not a bet I really want to make, is it? No. So, you know, this is just a perfect case in point for how we applied the certainty operating system. You know, we talk about the four wealth commandments and the four uh, issue processors and the four frames and the four growth principles. And like, that's a, that's a shit ton of information right there. Right. Yeah, you're not kidding. So it takes time to not only digest those things, but to apply them in your business and your investments. Because what we know is that oftentimes what we do, what we think we do and what we actually do are not aligned. Right. So these things, a lot of times they sound obvious, but when then, but then you go back and look in your business and it's like, oh my gosh, I'm chasing upside everywhere. I have symmetric bets all over the place. Most of our strategies are just not aligned with the barbell. Mm -hmm. And because of that, we're getting all of this stuff dialed in and the business is becoming significantly more profitable. Absolutely. You may not know all that, but it is, right? It's becoming significantly more profitable because we're not spending as much. Right. Well, I'm glad to hear that. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like I'm I'm busy on the acquisitions and dispositions and and learning, but uh, you know, it's just I'm on board and we have each other to bounce it off of, like too. Like if you're doing this by yourself, it's you might not catch yourself like, you know, chasing that upside because I know I still struggle with it. Like I go into a house and I'm just like, you know, my human brain is just like, ding, ding, ding. Like we got a lot, like we got a smoking deal here. And then I'm lucky to have you and vice versa. Like we can bounce like, Hey, like we can review it. And this is where you're kind of just like, 
hoping this is a good deal and, you know, love, we level each other out. So that's a key too, is like a partner, like, and, you know, being able to be in like a cohort, like that, that's what helps you practice these, you know? So what would you say is, um, you know, what areas that we talked about are you becoming an expert in? Um, when it comes to what real estate, well, and, and blockchain, right? Like you and I are going to start kind of our own personal branding journey. And -hmm. we've talked about our areas of expertise. I'd like to hear you share that here so that folks that are interested in learning more about how to do novations or how to do, you know, button pressing in crypto and they know what you're, what you're an expert in. Yeah. Um, so real estate wise, I mean, I feel like, like, I think I mentioned this earlier. I I never am an expert. I don't think anybody is an expert or a master of any of these strategies, but that being said, wholesale, I could pretty much do with my eyes closed at this point. Um, I know what needs to be done. I might not have the biggest, baddest buyers list, but you know, I know the steps to take to like increase our, our, our revenue on wholesale. So wholesales in the bag. Um, novations we've done what 10, I mean, you know, we've done a lot of novations. I know front to back, I know, um, you know, I, I would consider myself one of the few people in Denver doing these types of deals. Um, I'm, I'm learning creative stuff. You know, every day we're learning a little bit more, me and you both actually, uh, obviously not an expert on that yet. Um, but that's soon to come, right? Like just like novations took us about six months to a year to really, put this into practice and, um, get good at them. Um, fix and flip. I mean, I I would not be an expert on that. Um, I I don't know how to put those together, but novations wholesale and creative deals are kind of like the main focus there. Mm -hmm. Um, when it comes to DeFi, I'm definitely an expert at, uh, the button pressing. Um, I do know like the, the principles of how decentralized exchanges work you know, like the technical stuff. Um, I'm getting pretty well versed in what Paul and um, the whale club's teaching about these mindset, um, the certainty operating system. I'm constantly, constantly practicing that Um, on the, on both sides, the sales framework, the toolbox, like those are things I'm using on a daily basis and getting better and better at. Um, So that's kind of the major stuff that I say, like I would be able to, help people that are trying to get into, get out of their W2 jobs or like get into a different space. Like it's all going to be here. Like I, I, I'm able to teach them what I know and they can learn with me too on stuff like creative deals. Like, um, so that's where the branding comes in on top of that, just recording what we're doing, Paul, like how we're learning. Um, it's going to be fun to watch this stuff next year, you know, like, Oh yeah. And where we're at then. Um, I'm going to look at this and be like, my lighting is terrible right now. (laughs) (laughs) We, 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 we moved this light, as you know, for some other stuff we were doing. Now I'm like looking at it. I'm like, ah, the lighting setup's just not right. I look pasty white, like a ghost right now. So that's all right. You're going to Hawaii soon. You'll get that, that Island glow. Well, so we'll finish with this. Um, Philip is, has become in my mind, an absolute expert on novations specifically there's a dime a dozen, you know, if there a dime a dozen for people who know how to wholesale, right? Please. Like if you want to help with wholesale, absolutely. We can help you there. 
But what we're specializing in here in Denver is this specific novation strategy. It's a way for us to fix and flip houses with the homeowner as sort of like a partner and offer our homeowners significantly more than our cash offers. And we still get to fix and flip the house. I mean, these have been some of our most profitable deals. They're a fabulous way to benefit all parties. I mean, anytime we do a novation deal, there's so many people that benefit on our team, the sellers, the end buyers get to Absolutely. pick what they want. So if you guys want to learn about novations and how we're doing, you know, probably like, I'd say like one a month, at least maybe, you know, right now, um, mm-hmm. tune into the podcast that Philip and I are going to be putting out, get in touch with Philip to, you know, to learn how to do these and how we're executing them here in Denver. Uh, mm-hmm. even in this changing market, um, We're going to be talking about the sales framework and how we're using these specific actionable tools on our sales calls, not just when Phillip's sitting in front of sellers. I use the same exact framework. I used it when I was selling in the manufacturing space. I used it when I was selling to United Airlines and Amazon. Uh, I'm using it now as I'm raising capital and selling uh, certainty events and whale club and all sorts of stuff, right? And so this sales framework has proven itself to be robust across multiple industries, multiple types of sales. And it works for, I mean, our entire team, we're just eager to share it with the world because it's really made up of, you know, our own experiences, but Chris Voss and Steve Trang and, you know, Sandler and all these people that have, you know, been legends in the sales world. So anyways, if you guys want to see more about that, tune in. We're going to be having our first show on Friday. I'd love to to see some folks there. you got anything else you want to add? No, uh, that you hit it all. Um, definitely reach out if you have any questions about novations or any of this stuff. You know, it, it, we went over a lot today, um, but really, I, I just I came into it with no background, right? Like no background, and you just start learning this stuff step by step, and next thing you know, um, you're doing deals and um, you're a little bit closer to what you want in life, and that's just been game changer. So. Um, no, thanks for having me on bro. And yeah, looking forward to Friday and getting these things going just to just share what we're doing, man. Cause it's so huge. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks Philip. Appreciate it, man. We'll, uh, we'll let you go and talk to you soon. All right. See ya. See ya later.